0: You listen to Alcoholics Alive, where recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous share their experience on how they live AA as a way of life. None of our participants get paid or speak for AA. Here are your hosts, Shank and Wayne. All right, let's say a quick prayer. Creator, we thank you for... A gift of sobriety and life. And just ask that you can guide and direct our thoughts and our words to be guided towards uh, helping another alcoholic. Amen. Amen. All right. We're bringing the depth and weight today. Staying away from the froth, Shank.
1: No froth.
0: No froth today. Got got that depth and weight. If you're listening today, it's August the uh, the first Tuesday. want to let you know that we are going to be guests on another podcast Wednesday night, August the 2nd. It's called the meeting after the meeting. It's going to be season two to episode 25. Now you can listen live Wednesday night at 8 PM. You can uh, search the meeting after the meeting or their, uh, their initials TM ATM. We're going to be on the uh, the closing or the tail end of that podcast talking about the big book. So uh, join live, or you can hear the recording once it drops Thursday morning. That's the meeting after the meeting. Excited to have our guest on today. Our, we got another repeat guest. She has uh, she helped us if you remember on uh, season one. I think it was episode seven, step six. Debbie came on and helped us with that, did an excellent job. And, uh, it's one of the most downloaded episodes that we have. So we are, we are, we're glad to have her on today. Debbie, what you been up to since the last, uh, time you were on.
2: Um, well, what have I been up to? So yeah. I've listened I've listened to your all's podcast. that's that's been good.
0: Well, we appreciate um, that.
2: Yeah, and it has uh, actually what I've done because I have to I work alone a lot. I am in a situation where I can't attend as many meetings as most people can. I've decided to go through the big book listening to it as I work. and it's very soothing. I love it. It's as if I've never read it before.
0: How About
1: that—that's that? awesome.
2: Yeah, I highly recommend it. I got it. I just get it off Audible. Hear it speaking. The guy's great. It sounds like a textbook. It sounds like, oh my god, I know this part, but the, I didn't. I don't remember that part. You know, the same thing as if we were doing a big book study.
1: It's almost right. like it is a textbook.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> <clears throat> who would have thought?
0: Who would have thought? Tell us a little bit about what for any new listeners. A little, just a little bit about yourself and how you got to AA.
2: Well, um, not to repeat too much what I've already said. I, uh, towards the end of my drinking, I really became desperate. I was going to lose my husband and I reached out to find out what insurance would cover. And they told me that there was a, this was in 1992. They told me I could make an appointment to go to a, a um, treatment center. And so I called the treatment center and said, you know, I have a friend who's alcoholic or thinks she's alcoholic and she wants to come in and, and have a meeting. <clears throat> and they gave me a date. And I think the date was like a week later. And my heart sunk and I just knew that I wasn't going to live another week. But I never told them it was me. I said, okay, no, thank you. And I hung up. (laughs) And then I realized at that moment, something told me I'm not going to live through this. And I picked up the phone and called them back. I said, well, I think it's an emergency. She really has an emergency. And they said, well, we don't know about your friend, but we know if you come in right now in 30 minutes, we will talk to you. Like, Yeah. I mean, can I, I wasn't even hardly capable of driving because I was detoxing by myself at home once again for the thousandth, millionth time trying to uh, get straight and get off alcohol. <clears throat> I drove there, I got there and um, they wanted me to consider checking in and I wouldn't. They, I said, I still have a job, I haven't lost my job. And they're like, well, you might wanna talk to your job about that. And I said, she goes, well, why aren't you at work now kind of thing? And I'm like,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: like, I guess you got a point anyway. They, uh, they said, well, compromise, and you're going to come here every single day after, right after work, and you're going to stay till I think it was like 10 o'clock at night. So I was there like five hours a day with these other misfits. They all come from different walks of life. And um, I was interviewed by a man named Marty, who was married to a woman named Marty. And he was best friends with a drum teacher I had, because I played drums back then. <clears throat> and he um, He uh, started asking me the, you know, kind of like the 20 questions thing. You know, you've got the 20 questions and like, do you drink at work? Do you drink at home? Do you hide your booze? All that stuff. And I'm like, really? It didn't apply to me, but yeah, I guess so. I mean, like I wake up drunk on the boat every morning or, you know, that I think would qualify or you're out in the middle of the night looking for your dog because you can't remember where you left her while you were on the boat. You pulled up some... I mean, those are the kind of questions you needed to ask me. And then finally he would say, well, how much do you drink? And I'm like, you know what, how much do you drink? And all of a sudden I became (laughs) really smart. And so um, he goes, well, I'm not going to lie. When I play drums or play a gig, he goes, I have a few beers here and there. And I'm like, oh, well, okay, a few. And then um, I started telling him the truth and little by little. He was really a nice guy. He actually had me come back and speak before I left Kentucky because I got sober in Lexington, Kentucky. And he um, he had me uh, come back a few times. But anyway, as I got to meet this little group, uh, a fella came in and talked about Alcoholics Anonymous and he had 90, di- 90 days of sobriety. And it was in my first week there. And Marty had told me, I said, oh, I really like this guy. I mean, wow, 90 days was a big, big deal to this little group. And he said, well, it's time for you to start going to Alcoholics Anonymous. I said, oh, no, 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 no. My dad went there. He still struggles. He's near death. No, I'm not going there. It's corny. It's the cult. And um, so he said, well, you can't come back here. And by that time, I had already adjusted to these sickos that they needed me and I needed them, and so I needed to continue coming to this group. So okay, I'll I'll make the sacrifice. I'll go to this stupid AA meeting so I can keep coming to this little group every night. And uh, I went to my first meeting to- totally terrified, um, but they challenged me, and there were some just this, you know there were some crazy alcoholics at this meeting. And one was one by the name of Winoka. She will always forever be a part of my story. She's like four feet tall. And she was a, a Pentecostal minister. And she said and she would look at me and tell me how, how there were things in store for me. It's how she said it that terrified me because I really believe she handled rattle, rattlesnakes. But um, anyway, that kept me going. To my next meeting, that was a Thursday night yeah. original. Group. They'll if they ever hear this, they'll all know that.
1: What do you have against rattlesnakes, Debbie?
2: well i come from the background of many religions okay i have a mom who has many religions so i have a lot of uh people from eastern kentucky and there they'll take a religion and they'll
1: it's not very open-minded huh it's not very open-minded to the
2: rattlesnakes i'm not handling i do handle snakes out here but i do not handle (laughs) rattlesnakes
0: at church
1: well have you told us your sobriety date remind the listeners of your sobriety date if you haven't
2: asking so it's it's at first it was unconfirmed, but we, uh, are, we at, uh, February 5th,
1: 1992.
2: Okay. Nice. Um, nice so, um, there you go. And now I think I did a little, what else do you need to know?
0: Nope. That's oh, good. I'm, doing,
2: I'm
0: That's looking good. at your
2: instructions. <clears throat> it's a
0: pretty hey, good qualifier. To go to, I used to go to a church where if you didn't have a snake, they'd give you one at the door. the, <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's not fair. I don't Shank. think I was ever given a snake. My cat brings yeah. me snakes. Does that count? Right.
0: That, I got snakes. All
2: of, I got three snakes that are pets out here. They're wild. Hmm.
0: They're, Love
2: that. Yeah, you know, they hmm. like to scare me sometimes. They show up in places I don't expect. And one's eight foot yeah. long. I like
1: that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Shank, what's the topic today?
1: All right, we had to bring on a heavy hitter for this episode. Our episode name is Straight Pepper Diet. Nice. And in our first season, when we were going through the steps, we had Double D on and uh, she brought to our attention that we did not talk about the sex ideals, Um, that we had left that out of our episode with Gigi in the first season. So
0: on step four,
1: on step four. So we just knew that we're going to have to have you specifically on to go over this with us because it is uh, a serious, a light, a bright, a dark topic at times. Uh, So our episode is straight pepper diet. And where this comes from in the big book uh, is at page 68 in the fourth edition. So it says now about sex. Many of us needed an overhauling there. But above all, we tried to be sensible on this question. It's so easy to get way off the track. Here, we find human opinions running to extremes, absurd extremes, perhaps. One set of voices cry that sex is a lust of our lower nature, a base necessity of procreation. Then we have the voices who cry for sex and more sex, who bewail the institution of marriage, who think that most of the troubles of the race are traceable to sex causes. They think we do not have enough of it or that it isn't the right kind. They see its significance everywhere. One school would allow man no flavor for his fare, and the other would have us all in a straight peppered diet. We want to stay out of we want to stay out of this controversy. We do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct. We all have sex problems. We'd hardly be human if we didn't. What can we do about them?
0: Hmm.
1: So there you go. Um, one school would amount, allow man, no flavor for his fare. And the other would have us all on a straight pepper diet. Oh
0: straight pepper diet. Debbie, what do you think about that? Any experience? Well,
2: it's funny that we get this and then we, and then, and then the very next thing, it says, we, we, what was it? We want to stay out of this controversy. It really doesn't allow you much room to speak like this on this platform it's right. more about sponsor to sponsee but personally I do not like straight pepper diet because now that has a different meaning today mm. and um for some of those that I have known over the years and worked with and had all these problems with this issue um this is a scary place to be and so it's you know we can make light of it when it comes to mine but i'm trying not to make it light when it comes to others because there's actually some people who were victims and suffered and sure um but it still ends up being this comes out and so it can be very healing but it also and it can get us through a lot so we can start building that extra layer of relationship with god um so so saying that I've gotten through my, all my resentment lists and I've written about it and I've done, you know, come on like, Oh, I'm done. And then you hear the set like, what about your sex inventory? And I'm like, sex inventory. It's all done. It's all right there. And she's like, no, I think we need to go through and, and, and list, you know, even the people you had a crush on. I was like, God, that was elementary school stuff. <laughs> you know? and, so she had me um, make a list. And some of these people that were on my resentment list ended up on my sex inventory. Yep. Now, when you talk about it enough, and the first time I heard somebody talk about this, it was a woman from Iowa. She came and gave a talk and she talked about this. I'm like, oh my God, I'm talking about her sex life from the podium. And I was like, God, right, go. You got to keep that stuff quiet and keep it to yourself but I also cheated on my husband seven times in seven different relationships. So I was not one to, to make those rules. Now I can say that stuff now and I can say it on this platform. Um, I am not proud of that whatsoever. I will tell you, I hurt a lot of people. This is where it gets hard to talk about. Now, if I want to get through that, I got to do this. So I reviewed my conduct over my past and I had to look at where was I selfish? I mean, there was nothing that was selfless about it. I can assure you that nothing. Um, where was I dishonest? Every single thing I did was based on dishonesty. Nothing was honest. I lied. I cheated. I lied again. And she, it was awful. Um, Or inconsiderate. I mean, all of that goes together, right? Whom had I hurt? Any person that was even close to me. And I was an abandoner. I would, if I thought something was going to go down, I would abandon you. I would leave you. I would truck. I was gone. I was out of here. I have cleaned up some of those messes. I have talked to these people and I've made sure that they knew I knew I was wrong. I knew that I made them feel like crap. Um, Did I unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? My recognition, I tried not to.
1: (laughs) I didn't want to get caught. So I tried not to. (laughs) uh, Yeah, I didn't want to get caught. That's interesting to me, Debbie, because that's the only part that I related to when I got to AA. Now, I'm not saying that I was Mrs. Perfect Girlfriend. Uh, I've never been married, but... I serial monogamist, but I would definitely try to stir up a little chaos, try to flirt with your friend just so that you could see like, you know, that was the only part that I related to when, when that was read, I was like, Oh my God, wait a minute. This is me. I thought the sex inventory, I was like, Oh yeah, that's a breeze. No problem. I never cheated on my boyfriend. You know, I mean, I would break up with them first. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not saying that I was just like, a plus but i was like i did unjustifiably arouse jealousy and i was good at it too you did you know, hurry like, up break,
2: yeah did you hurry up and break up with them though Did you hurry up and make it happen oh well yeah <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah yeah
1: did yeah, i arouse I did. some suspicion and bitterness you you yeah. betcha right. yeah
2: so um this is uh Where we, you know, looking at where we were at fault and what should we have done instead? I I mean, there was so much ugliness on paper for me this first time. It was really, really hard. Now, that husband has died, okay? And he died of alcoholism, actually, uh, six years after I got sober. And we were not married, but I went back to Kentucky to bury him. He died a very lonely uh, hermit style life and um, he didn't have any family. He had some cousins. They came and stepped in and helped, but pretty much uh, alone. And even though the divorce was agreed upon now, just because I wrote this one time doesn't mean it's complete. I wrote sex inventory many, many times. I was a sick person. I could not develop a relationship like I have today without doing that. Um, so it's kind of like, oh, we can go to step 10 and we, we've we learned how to write an inventory. But in that step 10, it's, it's not giving you a review of your sex conduct. It should show up. But if you ignore it, it's not going to show up. Ignore it, yeah. You can yeah. sweep it under the rug you can hide it you can ignore it and still grow spiritually until one day you start recognizing that stuff and you have this awake awakened moment and the next thing you know it's um your life is going downhill again. I'll stop there, Jerry.
1: well before we go any further, my understanding of straight pepper diet like in my mind, I was like okay, if you're talking about, not having pepper or having straight pepper to me, that would mean a straight pepper diet would be something like really spicy and fun. But I don't, (laughs) but I don't know that that is actually what this is saying. So when I kind of did a little research, looked up Jerry and I on straight pepper diet, what I came up with, which correct me if I'm wrong, you guys, but what I came up with is that um, it's an excessive focus on something. And like in this case of the big book, it would be sex. So straight pepper diet is a diet consisting only of pepper, which would be overwhelmingly one dimensional and unbalanced. It suggests an excess focus or obsession with one aspect of like specifically sexual activities or desires. I think so, that's right.
0: Yeah.
2: Yep. That's exactly right. But we have other words for it today. Yeah. Um, back yes. then, they didn't have these words. And a lot of people were got hurt. A lot of it was kept in the closet. Um, it's a, This is a tough thing to talk about because of that. Um, another one, you have to kind of look at the sentence before it. Because, you know, it says, would allow no flavor for his death. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, that would be dull, wouldn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Got to throw a little pepper in there, but a straight pepper diet. Mm. I don't know. We have to acknowledge some things about that in this big book. Times were different back then. They're different now. What do you think,
1: Jerry? Mm -hmm.
0: Well, the first, I mean, my first, I guess, taking of the steps on this particular item in the inventory i um i immediately identified with basically telling somebody whatever they wanted to hear to get what i wanted that was kind of um what i got out of the first one and the first time i you know did did this inventory i mean i was i i saw where i was selfish and would be dishonest to get stuff from women. And it was, um, I don't think that was anything like, I guess it was an eye opener a little bit. Um, but I also saw where, I mean, every relationship I was in was selfish. I mean, all I was worried about was, was myself and, you know, getting what I wanted and not, not caring about the other person's, uh, feelings or what they needed, or what they didn't need. It was just, it was all kind of one dimensional towards, towards me that, that was clear. Um, and later on, as I stayed sober, I, you know, and, and the, the fog clears, I really saw more at a deeper level of how selfish I was in relationships, not just with sex, just with, with emotions and time and, and all that, all that stuff that goes into a healthy relationship. And, you know, I eventually, I was actually sober several years before I had the idea or the concept of actually writing out your sex ideal was presented to me. And that, that actually helped me a lot to to write that out and then to actually pray about it, meditate about it and try to live up, you know, towards that. So, I mean, it's a, uh, I think for all of us that when you get to step four and five, the hardest thing for anybody to talk about is sex. I mean, it's always something centered around sex and the hardest thing to kind of share with somebody in a fifth step is uh, typically always something centered around sex. Um, so, I mean, I think that's, that's, that's pretty much human behavior. Here's a, here's an interesting question though. So if, It says in there that God alone can judge a sex situation. It says that in the fourth step. So You just skipped over the
2: sex idea. Huh? You just skipped over the sex idea.
0: What do you got on sex ideals?
1: I want to make sure we don't forget about that. Okay, let me read it. Let me read read the rest. Okay, so um, I'm going to continue reading from where we left off. Double D. Okay, so it says we reviewed our own conduct over the years past. And this is what Debbie, the questions that she was asking. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Whom had we hurt? Did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? We got all this down on paper and looked at it. In this way, we tried to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. We subjected each relation to this test. Was it selfish or not? We asked God to mold our ideals and help us to live up to them. We remembered always that our sex powers were God-given and therefore good, neither to be used lightly or selfishly, nor to be despised and loathed.
0: Hmm.
1: Shall I continue?
0: Doesn't it, I don't have it in front of me. Doesn't it say something about growing towards it or living towards it or something? All
1: right. Continuing on, whatever our ideal turns out to be, we must be willing to grow toward it. We must be willing to make amends where we have done harm, provided that we do not bring about still more harm in so doing. In other words, we treat sex as we would any other problem. In meditation, we ask God what we should do in each specific matter. The right answer will come if we want it.
2: So I was made to write out a sex idea and... Um, I mean, I guess you could put it in your head. It doesn't actually say, oh, we put it on paper, but yeah, I didn't have any of one of my 13 sponsors that thought that was a good idea. Matter of fact, I had <laughs> one sponsor said, don't even date somebody in AA, because that's like two ticks and a dog. And I'm like going, you know who that was? Remember Jerry, he would say that all the time. He goes, he goes, that's like, he'd look at a relationship and he goes, that's like two, no, two ticks and no dog. <laughs> 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 I was like, damn, you scared me to death with that. I'll never date somebody in AA. But but after I became clear and, and got out of, I didn't get out of it. I had to be do the grown-up thing and I had to give my husband back his life. And I did. He was a really good man. And I really messed it up for him a lot. Um, so I don't ever like to call him my ex. I always call, I try to call him my former husband. Uh, and hopefully before he died that I gave him some kind of peace. Um, I tried to assist him in some other things and, and helping him and how that went, I don't know, but it was what I thought was the best I could do. And now coming to a sane and sane and sound idea of a future sex life, that all that stuff was passed is I had to get this back out. And if I was showing that I was being dishonest, well, that would mean I'd want to be honest, right? Looking at all the things that I want to be, what is my ideal of me to be in a sex life? And so if I had been manipulative, which is another form of dishonesty, I'm like, I want to be clear. I want to be honest. I want to be communicative. I want to allow for... Oh, and another thing that came out on Sex Idea is allowing somebody to be human. Because the first time I thought a man wasn't supposed to do certain things. Now, for me, it was men. I don't know. Everybody else has different flavors. I don't know. Doesn't matter to me. But the first time I had this understanding how men should be and that they were all my shining white, you know, shining armors. Shining Knights, Shining Armor, Knights, whatever you call it. They were all gonna rescue me. And I was always looking for a rescuer. Yeah. Um, so God, you know, I I had to really look at that. Now I I can remember my sponsor, and I was like you, Jerry. I waited on that. I didn't, I didn't write it like like the first time I did this, but I had a, a sponsor, Rita. And Rita, she goes, "Oh, well, you need to write this," and I'm like, "Yeah, I don't need to write this." She goes, "Oh yes, you do. It could." She treated it like it was going to save my life, and I have to tell you, what you know, I'm like, well, "Let's just write it right now." And I'm like, "Tall, handsome. I prefer blonde." You know, and I was giving her the idea of what I thought. Right. And she goes, "Oh, I don't think you're going to do any different with that," and. So we started really getting to the nitty gritty of how do you want to be if this keeps if these all these relationships now I'm not going to tell you how many because there were a lot. But even even as a as a an adolescent, I would have a crush on a guy. And it wasn't really no different than than as an adult of having a crush, I still was stupid and did stupid things and hurt people so. This was going on all of my life. Um now having that idea, she'd make me carry it around in my wallet. She goes, Do you have your sex idea with you? And I'm like, Yeah. And because if I came to her with the question like, Oh my God, and I mean, and this this sex idea, the experience I had with it, helped me to learn to live alone. Um, not alone, like I'm lonely, but alone, where I I could function in the world without having somebody to lean on or somebody to pick me up and do. my relationship with God grew I wasn't having to um um I as a matter of fact I quit dating altogether yep. I was not interested whatsoever and then I met you know my husband Jeff at a wedding and he wanted to talk to me and I was like I really have no time for you I don't want to talk to you I don't want to date I mean, I would have turned, I would have been a lesbian after that if I could have, but it just didn't work out like that. So he was very kind and I had to get my sex ideal out. And guess what I had to do is tell him about my affairs. This is after he asked me to marry him. I had to be truthful and let him make the decision. This is the kind of person I was and you need to know that. This is what I strive to be and I had to let him know that too. We've been together for 25 years.
1: Not that bad.
0: Yeah. So.
1: Something that always gets me that I remember the first time I was going through the steps. Um, and I got to this. I had dated this man for several years, and I had, you know, basically skipped town and moved and got in a bunch packed of trouble and was going to prison. I packed my grip and I was moving north. Actually, I was not going further south. This is as north as I would like to be. Thank you very much. But, you know, it tells us we have to be willing to make amends so long as it's not going to bring more harm. And, right. you know, I really... um I mean, everyone had texted around the news article and all from back where I live. And so I was really wanting to kind of like save face a little bit. This was before I went to prison. Just like, oh, no, 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 but I'm OK. And like, I'm getting sober. Like, I wanted to say something. And I really wanted this man to know. Uh, mostly because he had cheated on me and he was like engaged to this girl. <laughs> that he had cheated on me with. And I remember my sponsor just being like, you know what? Is, that's that's probably going to cause more harm like you do not have good intentions in contacting this man and you should probably just leave him alone like you need to moving forward act differently in relationships and this is not about this man and what he did or didn't do so i do always remember that when we come to this part that I really had to be told that I had to be told not to contact all of these relationships from the past and just say, well, here's what's going on now.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It was news to me for sure.
0: That was news to you.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, my, my former husband never knew about any affairs that I had and he, I would never have told him because it would have crushed him. And I mean, he's gone now, so I can, for a long time, I would have never said it at this level, but, um, but I would never purposely crush him. It was an awful thing that I did over and over. It's awful. I mean, I was the worst, I was the worst lush of a woman and totally just, um, hmm. I'm glad I'm not her. She's gone. God has changed me. God has brought into my life. Um, to make me the person I was meant to be. And so therefore God given and therefore good, neither to be used lightly or selfishly, nor to be despised and loathed. I don't loathe myself. I can tell you that I did. Um, so I think once we get to that point though, as Jerry was going to bring up and we get that idea and you have that angst inside of you, that it does it does become about God alone can judge that sex situation.
1: Well, and I like to where it says, you know, we must be willing to grow toward it because in my sobriety, certainly over the last several years, I do have this ideal and, that doesn't mean that it's the other person is going to show up and just be this complete ideal and then I'm going to be complete and nothing will ever go wrong. It means that I have to be willing to make compromise as well and not compromise who I am as a person or, you know, the way that I live my life. But I can't just expect someone to show up in my life and, and complete my life. You know, and I'm glad that my sponsor always brings me back to prayer. Yeah. Like I need to pray, I need to meditate, and ask God about each specific matter. Like yeah. what is the right course to move forward?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I had a similar experience, I guess, as Debbie did with with some of this. So when I wrote, I had ideals written out, and I try, I was trying really hard to live up to them, and made a few mistakes. But after I got divorced in sobriety, when I finally tried to be true to myself and to, to God and I quit dating and just tried to stick to the ideals, it it healed me somehow internally to where I started trying to live up to the ideals and you know eventually got into a, a healthy relationship I guess would be the way to put it. And I don't think that you'll hear people, I don't think God came down and gave me, I've maybe even said some of that before that it just <laughs> happened because I did. I don't know. I don't know why it happened, but I think it was because I I was in a different place because I was trying to live by principles and I was trying to, to, not, I guess to say not settles, not the right word, but I, I was not going to compromise the ideals. And
2: Exactly. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yep. So, um, I mean, that can be hard to do sometimes.
2: So, but- you know, ideas can grow too. what you just described is over a period of time, you will add to that list. And I remember, um, I did get involved with somebody that I thought I was going to spend my life with in sobriety and they were in sobriety also. And when, This person decided they needed to take a new avenue. I can't say (laughs) all the details, but this person wanted to take a new avenue in life. And it didn't include me, seriously did not include me. But there was nothing I can do because I knew that avenue for him was the God-given avenue. And I was heartbroken. Holy crap. I thought, what, what, what? I was angry and mad and Three months later, they came back and said, well, that avenue was wrong for me. And, and I said, it's hard to tell, describe without giving this information out. But, and what, it ha- what I realized is I'm not willing to step on somebody else's principles to make something that I want. Yep. And that got added to my sex idea. And I didn't know until I did an inventory on the whole situation that I will never step on their principles. They may not know what their principles are, but I did. And I knew that it could be worse or I could knowing that I couldn't create any more harm. So that got added. I'm not willing to step on your principles to, to
0: uh,
1: get what I want. Yeah. So moving along, if God alone can judge my sex situation, why do I need to share it with someone else?
0: It's a good question.
1: Because we're idiots. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well,
2: I needed to share it and get it out there. so so you know, with a sponsor that knew what was going on with me, it helped guide me. I would have never written the sex idea if I hadn't have had a sponsor.
0: Yeah, I always thought the book contradicted I'm being a little sarcastic here, but I always thought the book contradicted itself when it says, God alone can judge our sex situation. But then it says in fifth step that if we don't talk to somebody, we're gonna get drunk. <laughs> got, well, got, I think got, that
2: means I, I think that means it's giving us a little freedom to not judge ourselves.
0: I think that's probably right. And to yeah. to come up with our own ideal, not based on somebody else's ideal is probably the, the intent there. Well, what happens if we have an ideal and we try to live up to it? And we're we're praying and we're practicing love and tolerance and patience towards all, even our enemies. But people keep crossing our boundaries.
2: <laughs> people keep crossing your boundaries, Jerry. Really? They keep crossing,
0: they keep crossing my crossing boundaries.
1: boundaries?
0: Uh. <laughs> what
2: do you think, Debbie? You know, if you if people are crossing your boundaries, you're letting them cross your boundaries.
0: That's right. So the key would be not to have any boundaries, right? Trust God.
2: The key would be to follow your sex idea. I don't see them as boundaries. I see them as a way of life, a way of yep. life that brings you closer to what it is that we truly want. Um, because that sex idea, a lot of, a lot had to go into it. I mean, you've got this, it's almost like a roadmap that God, that's God given. And, it, it, you know, if you have shit all over that, you, you may have to get close to starting over again if you don't know what that means. And for those of the people that the people that haven't written this idea, aren't never going to know until they do it. And right. so I encourage, if you've never done it, please do it. it. I mean, I really feel like that's a huge part of this textbook that really saved me. I do without a doubt in my mind.
0: Thank you. If thanks for clarifying that. If you're out there listening, just for the record, that's the first time ever I've said the word boundary.
1: No, it I is not.
0: I I don't believe in them and don't don't use. I them. can it
1: confirm was, that is not the first time. Shank
0: Shank Shank <laughs> has no she has no facts <laughs> about any of that. I have only facts. Yep. Yeah, don't 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 set boundaries. There's better ways to do that. Let's uh let's move on to Big Book Shrapnel. All right. I think a couple of the shrapnels tie into the topic.
1: They do, and, well, and in in honor get, of Debbie Davis, them. we're gonna we're gonna call this Big Book Nugs, but that's N U G Z.
2: Nugs, that's a good one. That's a real good one.
1: We're gonna call Big this the BB Nugs, dog.
0: BB Nugs, get ready, <laughs> buckle up.
1: Buckle up
0: what's the first one
1: all right so our first big book nug here which are idioms or sayings from the big book of alcoholics anonymous is the imperious urge Yes. this is from page 70. if sex is very troublesome we throw ourselves the harder into helping others we think of their needs and work for them this makes us this takes us out of ourselves it quiets the imperious urge when to yield would mean heartache
0: hmm. wow what's an imperious urge
1: that's a great question Jay well, Wayne. An
2: urgent demanding commanding situation
0: you getting that from that hundred year old big uh, dictionary
2: I actually I did get some of it from there
0: <laughs> all right
2: or I had one from 38, too. It could have come from there. And I've I've got stuff written all in my big book. So, but yeah, Urgent was. So, I mean, if we think back, it's hard to think of that stuff now because we're not like that. But back then, when I was living that way, creating heartache, I guess, and myself and everybody around me. You no, know, there was always an urgent situation to do that. That's why I was asking you when you were talking about that, Susie. Did you get in a hurry to to, to cancel the relationship to get right into the
1: next <laughs> one? Oh, I didn't get into another relationship. Oh, okay. but yeah, I pretended I, like it, I was going to.
2: Yeah, I always thought there was something better around the corner. You know, and that imperious urge was mm-hmm. telling me that there was. And so now, um. Throwing ourselves into helping others really, really fixes that.
0: It does fix it among other, all our other problems. This, this, not the exact uh, phrase in Perry's urge, but the paragraph that it's involved in really helped me when I was single and had gotten divorced. That, you know, the idea of, of um, helping other people and, getting involved in, in, in good activities versus what I was doing previously. It, it really helped overcome those, those problems. Um, what's a modern word for imperious urge? You don't hear it much anymore.
1: So a translation would be an intense craving. Uh. So I personally don't think that that fits as well. Uh, into this paragraph, you know, as imperious. I would say urgent
2: satisfaction.
1: Sure.
0: Urgent satisfaction. Can't resist the urge.
2: Can't get no satisfaction.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think we keep imperious urge in the big book as it is, don't you?
2: I think so. I think that nug is pretty good. That
0: that's a pretty good, good nug. Good
2: pretty nug. Good little nug there. You know, if you All start right. thinking about it, that's what's going to happen. If you, Very don't true. Use that,
1: use the, if you don't use the guidance.
0: What's the next one, Shank? We're going to keep Imperial Urge?
1: We're keeping it. All
0: this right.
1: Again. All right. So our big book nug number two is The Grouch and the Brainstorm, (laughs) which is from page 66. And it says, If we were to live, we had to be free of anger. The Grouch and the Brainstorm were not for us. They may be the dubious luxury of normal men, but for alcoholics, these things are poison.
0: Mm. The Grouch and the Brainstorm.
1: What you got, Double D?
2: Well, you know, I've thought a lot about this one over the years, the grouch and the brainstorm, and it came at me at different things. But mainly it's, you know, the haters and the, and the debaters <laughs> are not what I needed at this time or at this period of, of what I was doing in the big book. Um, so that's how kind of how I looked at it. Um, I didn't need to all of a sudden get brilliant. I didn't need to be, uh, I did not need to be angry. I had to be free from it. And then and then you go to the other way and you get brilliant on what you need to be doing or not doing and and that gets in your way. So Yeah, grouch in the brainstorm.
0: So is that this one's always confused me. I'm not going to lie about it. I don't know why I have a hard time like this computing in my brain. So is it talking about haters and debaters like in your head? Like or well
1: (laughs) yeah if
2: we were to live we had to be free of the anger and and the grouch and the brainstorm so um it's kind of it would help me it would come up sometimes when there would be some i'm I'm pointing the finger at other alcoholics right now but an angry alcoholic really could not get to this point in the in the big book it was really really difficult because it's like step three, step two and three weren't always complete. And if you get to that point and you're angry at this point right here, it's going to be really hard to to write that inventory. Now, then you got the the scholars. Yeah. You don't need to write an inventory if you're brilliant, right? Because
0: you know everything, right? I got it. Wow. Yeah,
2: That's right. So the grouch and the brainstorm. Now, I like to use the word brainstorming when I'm putting a meeting together and we're trying to come up with ideas, I say brainstorming, but that's, that's where everybody needs to get freaking brilliant so we can fix ourselves or get us out of a jam. But in this case, I think it was, I liked it, the grouch and the brainstorm. But, you know, you could change the words. I like it. I don't think there was actually, I think brainstorm was in the hundred year old dictionary yeah anymore. i think decades so i gotta get this
1: out and look
0: shank what do you think about the grouch through brainstorm
1: well it's bringing to my mind a current issue um and service in alcoholics anonymous i've been having so um i will not pin it on other people but there's s- several situations that i've not been free of anger and um I do kind of think I vacillate between the grouch and the brainstorm in these situations Uh, keeping it on myself. Yeah. You know, it's, it can be really difficult for me personally to stay in that even keel open minded um, area in my mind when I'm hearing things that to me are so obviously incorrect. So I'm glad that I understand this one better. I don't know that I've ever understood it the way you all are talking about it now. To me, I just kind of thought, you know, Grouch and Brainstorm, okay, like, I never thought of them as opposites when I read this in the big book. I never thought of this as like, you know, this is grumpy or, you know, the Grouch or the Brainstorm being like scholarly. Mm
0: -hmm. I've never
1: considered that
0: sounds like bipolar or schizophrenia to me now that i'm thinking about it <laughs> i
1: mean there's
2: a lot of people that find out about themselves at this point too you know mm-hmm.
0: yeah thanks debbie
1: or medication may come into play here you know
0: oh uh, so i what's like up? this
1: i mean to me it's it sounds like it is just you know it's a very uh it's, it's just a very good grouping of words to describe being free of anger, I, I yeah. would think.
0: So we got to avoid being in a bad mood and having impulsive great ideas, right? Mm-hmm. At the same time, we got to kind of be neutral and in the middle. And,
2: well, also, um, I don't think it means to rethink this and try to do it any different than what it's telling us. Mm-hmm. Yes. To me, you know, I like to fix it when it doesn't need to be fixed and brainstorming can bring that on.
0: Yep. So this is one that I am curious to see when we translate the big book into what they call plain language, what this translates into.
2: Well, is this one of them that's getting done that
1: way?
0: Well, they're translating the whole book. So it could be It could be rewritten, yeah. I'm sorry, translated, not rewritten. Translated, thank
1: you. Not rewritten. It is being translated, Jerry. I believe. Do you have anything, Shank? Here's what I've got. If we were to live, we had to be free of anger. The, okay, no. To survive, we must avoid anger. While others might tolerate occasional bad moods and impulsive ideas, such emotions are harmful to alcoholics.
0: So that's the plain language translation?
1: I would think so, yes. Read it one more time. To survive, we must avoid anger. While others might tolerate occasional bad moods and impulsive ideas, such emotions are harmful to alcoholics.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah, we scrapped that for sure. That's a piece of trash.
2: Well, who wrote <laughs> that? Who wrote this? Hmm. Never mind.
0: Yeah. So I think we should keep the grouch and the brainstorm.
2: Me yep. too.
0: And yep. I think we should keep the whole paragraph the way it is. What do you think, Double D?
2: Um, I do think that the whole paragraph is more, um, it, 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 it explains more rather than what they, I don't know who they are. And I forgive me for not agreeing, but I don't agree with this translation. So, yeah, there you
0: go. We don't we need don't it.
1: We don't either. All right. Big book nug number three. We have I Packed My Grip from page 173. All right.
0: I love this one. I don't know why.
1: This went from bad to worse until sophomore spring when, after a prolonged period of drinking, I made up my mind that I could not complete my course, so I packed my grip and went south to spend a month on a large farm owned by a friend of mine. I packed my grip.
0: So that's from Dr. Bob's story, right?
1: It is.
0: Dr. Bob's Which nightmare? Which if, you,
1: if, if you've been listening for any length of time, you know I will bring up Bob, Dr. Bob maybe in every episode. So here we are. I packed my grip. Uh, That's like packing your bag or suitcase. So from what I could find and what I have been told um, from some old timers that the grip was usually like a small, small suitcase, a small travel bag.
0: Hmm.
2: So in the hundred year old dictionary, it's not even in there about anything other than just a grip handle mm. or a grip, I mean, there's about a hundred definitions, but not one of them said suitcase or, or it, even anything to carry something in, but it would describe all kinds of different handles. Mm-hmm.
1: So,
2: um, grip sounds like a slang word that it could have been a slang for a suitcase or a carrier. I like, that's why, I, that's how I've discovered slang words is that. If they're not in the dictionary and it's in here, it's usually with some kind of slang. Get, mm. Right. Get my grip.
0: <laughs> I packed my grip. I think it's interesting that he, uh, I mean, if you read that whole paragraph, right? He he basically said, screw these people where I'm at. I'm going somewhere else.
1: Yeah. So- it sounds like to me, it's just like you pack a few things and a carry I'm on out. and you go. Like, you oh, know, no, you packed he- your grip, your little weekend bag. You're just out. Oh, he yeah. went to
2: spend a month in in the farm. I mean, I would do this. This is me. This is yeah. No. Right. He went he went to get the fog out of his brain. And That's he decided right. school it's very foolish and that I'd better return and continue my work. Mhm.
0: Yeah, he got fed up with where he was at and so he was temporarily going to the farm to recuperate and to get better and um yeah, then went back, so he packed his grip. This is a term that I think we should bring back.
1: I think maybe today it would be like carry-on or what would other people say? Like, you know, I, I think of like a backpack. C- yeah, like I packed my back, my laptop bag. I don't know, my. My sleep bag. Th- yeah, I'm trying to think of a brand. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Yep brands but i'm sure that there's a brand that everyone uses
0: yeah yeah packing your bag and going on a geographical cure will not fix alcoholism
1: i
2: tried. it does temporarily for five it did
1: not for me it made it so much worse i packed my grip and headed north to north carolina and it got worse
0: got worse it got until it got better then it got better
1: and then it got better.
0: So I think I packed my grip is one we need to we need to bring back. I start, love it. Start including it in our shares.
2: It's slang, Jerry.
0: Well, we can bring slang back. Why can't we have some new slang? Okay. Get a grip. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that works. Debbie, I love it. Get a grip, Jay. Wayne, what the hell is wrong with you, boy? What? We like some
1: slang around here.
2: Well, I think you need to get a grip on those boundaries is what I think.
0: (laughs) I'm never going to live that one down. Never. I can already tell that. Listen, y'all.
2: Boundaries boundaries is not a bad word.
0: You guys are crossing my boundaries right now while you're talking
2: to me. I'll step right on them just like like that. We meant to
0: i'm not feeling safe i'm gonna have to read the safety card y'all i'm not feeling safe right now (laughs)
1: knock them down it's not the safety card
0: all right listen i packed my grip are we gonna keep it or scrap it we're
1: keeping it it's somebody's story i don't think you can get rid of it
0: good point all right i'm keeping it
1: (laughs) we're keeping it three for three
0: Three for three. We're not translating the big book, although the general service office is. So, so,
2: um, so are we so are we going to be doing nugs now and shrapnel has become shrapnel?
0: Well, no, we're going we'll to take that under advisement. We're, we're, we're going to take that under advisement. If we decide to change it, we're going to give you the cred. Don't worry. No, n-
1: no, please. It's going to be double D's nugs.
0: Double so, D's nugs. I
1: like golden nuggets.
0: Golden nuggets all right uh, debbie we appreciate you coming on always a pleasure to talk to you and to get your insights
2: thank you for having me it was a and, tough uh, one this one yeah. was I like digging into some of that stuff sometimes
0: it's it's difficult stuff to talk about but it's uh it's it starts the path to healing so if you're out there and uh you're curious about straight pepper diet we would encourage you to work 12 steps and uh with
1: a sponsor
0: with a sponsor and with God,
2: yes. And don't leave uh, out the sex inventory.
0: And don't leave out the sex inventory if you want and to be free.
1: Because oh, Debbie will come knocking on your door. She'll send She'll you an email.
0: You. <laughs> yep. All right. Be free.
1: Freedom.
0: Thanks for listening. If you have a comment, suggestion, or just need help, you can email Shank and Wayne at freedom at alcoholicsalive.com. Remember, we're recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous, but we do not speak for Alcoholics Anonymous, nor do we get paid. Join us next week for another great episode.